This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff. On the Blaze Radio Network. Folks, stop the panicking. Stop the hand-wringing. Stop the lamenting. Stop the self-pity. Stop the uh, all is lost as it relates to this November election. Especially if you're a supporter of Donald Trump. We're not even in the fourth quarter yet. I like to use sports analogies. This isn't even the fourth quarter. I'll let you know at the two-minute warning that we're in trouble. Inside the two-minute warning, you know what that means? Like two weeks before the election. And the only way I'm going to signal that means I'm not sensing the sense of urgency by Trump supporters. I'm hearing a lot of complaining about the liberal mainstream media and their treatment of this campaign They're covering for Mrs. Bill Clinton. And they're biased media against Donald Trump. You knew that was coming. How many times haven't I told you, tighten your seatbelt, fasten your chin strap. We're in for a hell of a ride. And it may be a rough ride. You should be used to that. You know how many times they counted Donald Trump out? During the primary, they counted them out after the Iowa caucuses, and, 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 and that was the first one. They counted him out time and time and time again. Donald Trump with his unorthodox style of connecting with people. And I, I, I'm, you know, I'm getting a little tired of hearing people say, oh, he needs to stay on message. He he needs to use the teleprompter. What you're doing is you're telling him to be a typical politician. How'd that work out for Mitt Romney? Mitt Romney stayed on message. Mitt Romney didn't give them any, you know, stuff to, to, to go after. They found it anyway, and they will find it. If Donald Trump said nothing, said absolutely nothing between now and the November election, they'd still be creating all these narratives to rip him. So forget about it. Forget about that. I was at an event last week. Donald Trump came to Wisconsin. He and Mike Pence, the Green Bay area, it's called the Fox Valley area, Appleton, Green Bay. It's where Republicans do well in national elections, relatively well. That part of the state, Waukesha, they do well. Uh, They don't do well in Milwaukee and Racine, Kenosha, and unfortunately those are the population centers. But Scott Walkener wins gubernatorial races. 
We just elected a state Supreme Court justice, Rebecca Bradley, who the left went after big time. She still won a statewide race. Yeah, this state leans blue. There's no doubt about it. It, It's even a, a darkening blue. But conservatives can win. Republicans can win. Really, the issue now is that people on the right are doing just as much damage as people on the left. That's the thing that, that, that really surprises me. That does surprise me. The people on the right are doing a lot of the heavy lifting for Mrs. Bill Clinton. She is the most corrupt person ever to seek the presidency. She has her moral compass is broken. She can't tell the truth. If she ever ran into the truth, she'd have to introduce herself and says, I don't believe I know who you are. I'm Mrs. Bill Clinton, and you are who? That 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 this country would let her get within sniffing distance of that honored office? That's what's staggering to me. That she's even in this. That she's even this close when I say she's in the race. Leading in the polls. I don't care about the polls. And I've asked over and over again, have we fallen that far and that fast as a country? We don't have a moral compass anymore. But apparently we have because the Democrats, they don't care. They're going to rally around her. They're in for the long haul with her. Flawed candidate at all. Dishonest, corrupt, liar that she is. They don't care. Our side? Well, Donald Trump's not a real conservative. Oh, give me a break. You wonder why we lose presidential elections? Hell, four years ago, we lost to a damaged candidate. No incumbent president with Obama's numbers in terms of the economy, approval rating. No incumbent president with those numbers has ever won re-election. How could that happen? And yet people are sitting up there, well, uh, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump needs to uh, stay on message. And he's, you know, the typical political approach. They got John McCain and Mitt Romney. All they got them was they got their rear ends handed to them by a neophyte Democrat candidate in 2008 and a weak incumbent president in 2012. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all that negative energy. And I hope the mainstream media keeps this up, the liberal media. I want you to become so incensed and so enraged about what's going on. I don't want them to stop. I want them to be that motivating force that inspires you to get other people, take your friends, your relatives, people who've never voted before, and get them to the polls. Let it energize you. That's what it's doing to me. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's not fair. It's all that crap. That's life. 
You know, I like that saying, when you're handed lemons, make lemonade. That's what we have to do here. So Mrs. Bill Clinton snubs the National Fraternal Order of Police on an endorsement. She doesn't even fill out the application that's required. You fill out an application. They pass it around to all of the chapters of the uh, Federal uh, Fraternal Order of Police. And then if two-thirds of the organizations give a thumbs up, they'll give that endorsement. Well, of course not. Of course she didn't even fill out the application. She's been she's thrown us overboard in law enforcement, and not just in law enforcement. Law-abiding citizens, the rule of law, law and order, she threw that overboard a long time ago. She's all in with criminals. Heck, she can't, she can't apply for an endorsement from the Fraternal Order of Police. The woman is a crook, for heaven's sakes. She's engaged in criminal behavior, and if our government wasn't so corrupt, she would have already had to do the perp walk down her driveway from upstate New York. Except our government is corrupt from the White House to the United States Department of Justice, and that includes the AG and the FBI, and that little escapade at that tarmac. Corrupt, ladies and gentlemen. Let it motivate you. I know you're going to vote, but you got to get others. I'm still feeling something here with our candidate. Somehow, I, I believe he's going to get it done. This is, there's been nothing conventional about this whole thing. Nothing. From day one. From a party having 16 candidates to begin with. Nothing's held to form. And that's good. That's good for our side. Coming up in the program, we're going to talk about uh, how the Democrats have picked up a new constituency, criminals, how they embrace criminality, and much, much more. Stay tuned. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Casper is made in America. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Breathable latex and memory foams are combined for just the right sink and just the right bounce. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Right now, get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Clark. That's casper.com promo code Clark. Terms and conditions apply. casper.com slash Clark. Sheriff. Okay, switching gears. Came across this article. I was fascinated by this. It's from uh, foreignpolicy.com. It is by Shiguzi Obioma. Never heard of him, but that's his name. I'm assuming it's a he. Anyway, in this day and age, as you know, it doesn't matter. There are no distinctions between pronouns, right? Anyway, it's entitled, There Are No Successful Black Nations. That alone grabbed my attention as I'm sifting through my week's worth of stuff. And I said, let me stop here. This, is, this sounds good. Because the, just the title, is it's true. There are no successful black nations. And it's not 
what you might think, and I'm going to go through, we're going to spend some time on this. Because this is the thing that I have been harping on, for lack of a better word. You know, in terms of all this racial strife in this country and black lives matter and all lives matter and whose life matters and, you know, it gets it gets mentally exhausting. It's tiring. But anyway, if you've tuned into this show long enough, you know how I am on these issues of race. I don't see everything through the prism of race. I wasn't raised that way. I think it's self-defeating. I don't see the boogeyman of racism lurking around every corner or sleeping under my bed at night. And so let's go through this, and and then I'll interject some editorial comments as we go through it, okay? In the wake of fresh deaths at the hands of police officers in the world's greatest nation, we, the people of the black race, are once again the object of renewed worldwide attention. Questions of injustice in the United States have been duly raised and protested. And once again, the black cultural elites in America have seized various platforms to air their grievances and are mostly and rightly talking about racism, discrimination, racial profiling, and hate, among other issues. But one issue that has hardly been talked about is the core reason why black people have remained synonymous with the denigrating experience of racism. It is, I dare say, because of the worldwide indignity of the black race. Okay, so he's he's teetering on losing me a little bit, but you know what? I don't don't do that. I said, I want to read this. So I went on. Back to the piece here. Racism is not limited to the United States, but you would think it is. That's an editorial comment. You would think it is. That's what the race hustlers, that's what Obama, that's what Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, Black Lives Matter would have you believe that the United States created and invented racism. Back to the story. There is no non-black nation, even among the most liberal ones, where the black man is dignified. History dealt us an unforgiving blow and the incursion of foreigners into black lands. The Arabs enslaved tribes and nations and then colonized and evangelized them. But you don't hear that from black people today, do you? You don't hear any slamming of Arabs for what they did to the continent of of, of Africa. Back to the story. Then came the Europeans who persuaded the Africans were of an inferior race, divided up the continent over lunch in Berlin in 1884. They carted off a large population of its people, sometimes leaving entire villages almost empty, and brought those who remained on the continent under their rule. What he forgot here is that it was their own, our own black people that sold us into slavery in many of these situations. So complete was the transformation that no black nation retained its ancestral nationhood, national language, or national identity. And today we often hear of how China or India or some other nation is taking over Africa economically. There is almost no nation whose majority is of a different race that has not spat on the face of the black person at one time or another. Okay, we're still in that realm where, you know, I'm not buying some of this, but I kept reading. It says, be assured the indignity will continue. Black elites and activists. Here's where it starts to get good. Here's where it turns, ladies and gentlemen. 
Black elites and activists across the world have adopted a culture of verbal tyranny in which they shut down any effort to reason or criticize us or black majority nations by labeling such attempts as racism or hate speech. Now he's got me. Now he's got me. I'm going to read that part again. Black elites and activists across the world have adopted a culture of verbal tyranny in which they shut down any effort to reason or criticize us or black majority nations by labeling such attempts as racism or hate speech. Thus, one can be certain that any suggestion that our race may indeed need to do something to remedy our situation will not be aired. Doesn't that sound like me? It says, not by the terrified people of other races, And anyone within our race who makes a suggestion will be deemed weak and pandering or a sellout, as President Obama has been repeatedly called. Well, he's never been called a sellout. This guy's been leading the chorus on racial strife in his country. He's in that previous paragraph where he shuts down any self-examination or condemnation of the, what I like to call the, Dysfunctional culture and embracing aspects of a dysfunctional culture, Obama won't do that. But that's what this guy's talking about. Thus, he says, no one will talk about the painful fact that most African and Caribbean nations have either failed or are about to collapse. Early African American intellectuals and cultural elites saw that the future of their race could not be advanced by endless protests or marches of equality or justice. It could only be done through the restoration of the trampled dignity of the black man. Great men like Marcus Garvey, W.E.B. Du Bois, and Malcolm X all knew that people, that a people is only respected when it has a nation worthy of respect. A man who lives in a shack cannot be expected to be treated with the respect he would get from a palace. They knew that for us to reclaim power, we must first reclaim dignity, and this comes through the construction of a solid black state with a demonstrable level of development and prosperity, and which can stand as a powerful advocate for the global black. So, look at what, and you've heard me say this, how the Democrat Party has enslaved the black community, destroyed, plundered, plundered them. Much like these previous things that he talks about in terms of the Arabs came over and plundered the land, the Europeans came after that. The Democrat Party is doing this today. They have no respect for the black man. I told you they marginalized the black man made him expendable, said, get out of here. Uncle Sam is now going to be the father of your children. Uncle Sam is now going to be head of household, of your household. They removed him from his rightful position as head of household, got rid of him, marginalized him, and now government dependency is what rules. So back to the story. Today, no such state exists. Nigeria, the most populous black nation on earth, is on the brink of collapse. 
The machineries that make a nation exist, let alone succeed, have all eroded. One might argue that the nation's creation by self-seeking white imperialists engendered its failure from the beginning, as I did in my recent novel, but this is only a part of the cause. A culture of incompetence, endemic corruption, dignified ineptitude, and chief among all, destructive selfishness and greed has played a major role in its unraveling. How many times haven't you heard me say that? All right, when we come back, we're going to finish this and I'll have some more editorial comments as I I read through the rest of it. Stay tuned. David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. <laughs> David Clark, the People's Sheriff. All right, so reading from this story, continue this, there are no successful black nations. And where we left off, you know, I should probably pick up some for continuity here. I should uh, pick up in the middle of, of what I would start here. Here's what it says. Nigeria, the most populous black nation on earth, is on the brink of collapse. The machineries that make a nation exist, let alone succeed, have all eroded. One might argue that the nation's creation by self-seeking white imperialists engendered its failure from the beginning, as I did in my recent novel. But this is only part of the cause. A culture, you've heard me talk about a dysfunctional black culture or a, a dysfunctional black underclass. You've heard me talk about that. You've heard me use that phrase. That's what he's getting at right here. A culture of incompetence, endemic corruption, dignified ineptitude, and chief among all, destructive selfishness and greed has played a major role in its unraveling. The same sadly can be said for most other African nations. States like Zimbabwe, Cameroon, Equatorial Guinea are farcical democracies ruled by men who exclusively cater to their interests and those of their clipped circles. Thus, it is no surprise that in the absence of any healthy black nation, in the midst of chaos, senseless wars, corrupted religiosity, violence and economic collapse, African and Caribbean people leave home en masse. They beg on the streets of Greece, prostitute in red light zones of the Netherlands, and make up 40% of the migrants flocking to Europe. As they turn up in these countries, helpless, unwanted, starved, or maimed, they're treated like dogs. Last month in Italy, a newly married Nigerian man was murdered simply for being unwanted. Everywhere from Ukraine to India, nearly every day, black indignity, black helplessness, stares us in the face. And all we do, we who hold the platform can do, is scream racism 
and court the sympathy of others. That describes too many people, too many black people in the United States of America. I did not say all. You're listening to one who doesn't subscribe to that. And there are many others, many others who get silenced like you know, by, as this guy said in the beginning, these race hustlers and race demagogues and, you know, called out as traitors. So back to the story here. It says, the partridge is a poor bird. The world loves a person who is like a partridge. They're an enfeebled, they are enfeebled by its creation, has little ability to hunt, gather, protect, or feed itself, The Yoruba, that's a tribe in Africa, the Yoruba believe that the world loves these birds because they provide the space for people to show both sincere and insincere sympathy while holding firm to their position as the superior and maintaining the place of the partridge's weak. That is what the Democrat Party has done, is doing, and will continue to do to the black community. They see us as weak. And then we can only survive. They're only, we're only deserving of their sympathy. You've heard me say all this, folks. This feigned sympathy, these liberals, that's what this is. They can go, oh, black people, oh, I love black, my best friends, and oh, I want to help the black people. Oh, black lives matter. And oh, these people, they, they look at us like we're, a bunch of weaklings. Back to the story here, which is to say that if the partridge relies on the sympathy of others, it will not elevate its position. And that's where we're stuck. You've heard me use the phrase, we live life at the bottom. Too many, too many. Black people live life at the bottom. A lot of it is their own doing. This guy says that. This guy also says, this isn't about race, all about racism. That's something to do with it. But it's we won't self-criticize. That's what I do. I self-criticize and people say, I've, I've sold my race out. No, I haven't. I'm tired of so many of our people living life at the bottom. We can get out from under this, but we have to first get the Democrat Party to get their boot off our neck so we can stand up. That's the first step towards self-improvement. Stand up for heaven's sake. Get off your knees. Get off the ground. Stop wallowing in self-pity. Stand up. So he goes on to say, if we black people everywhere cannot gather the resources within our powers to exert real change and restore our dignity, Dignity, we will continue to be seen as weak. That's where the Democrat Party wants us. They want us to think we're weak and we need them. We have to vote for them. Our protestations and grievances will be met with sympathy, which does nothing to inspire respect. Black elites should allow for self-criticism and soul-searching and for the restoration of the pan-Africanist movement with an eye toward building sustainable black nations. We must come to realize 
that to a great extent the fate of the black man in America is inextricably linked to that of his brother in Africa. Although largely unacknowledged in American political discourse, Jim Crow ended in part because of the African independence movement in the 1960s. It says here that uh, this foreign minister came to the United States. He was a close friend with American President Dwight David Eisenhower and Lyndon Johnson. This foreign uh, minister once recalled how American officials were embarrassed when African ministers attended official events in New York's U.N. headquarters and were treated with honor as representatives of sovereign countries. They were ashamed, for instance, when American blacks could not use the same bathroom as Africans, just as blacks, or just as, just as black. The Africans just as black. The African blacks were further empowered when African nations started becoming independent. Black governed nation states, beginning with Ghana in 1957, and followed shortly after by other African nations. As long as we continue to ignore Africa's continuous wallowing in senseless poverty and destructive failures, as long as the Congolese and the Haitian remain the poster child for poverty and lack, we will remain undignified. As long as we continue to ignore our own self-assessment and soul-searching, we will remain the undignified race. Sadiq Rashid, one of the leading African politicians of the 1980s, once told Polish journalist Richard Kupaszynski, quote, I worry about whether African societies will be able to assume a self-critical stance, and much depends on this. This author adds at the end, our dignity and even survival will depend on this. Isn't that... Well, I don't know, maybe it's me. That's outstanding. Blacks will not allow themselves to self-criticize. No, it's the white man's fault. No, it's the Republicans' fault. No, it's Donald Trump's fault. No, it's the GOP's fault. No, it's the system's fault. It's the system. We have so many uh, uh, people in prison because of the, the system's racist. No, it's not. It's your lifestyle choices. See, the message that I'm bringing, folks, and I need your help in this because the attacks are coming fast and furious. The message I bring is the message black people need to hear. Some blacks think I do this for white ears. No, I don't. I am not afraid to self criticize in front of white people. I'm also not afraid to self-criticize in front of black people. Because any transformation to stop having to live life at the bottom is going to involve the truth, a critical self-evaluation. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. 
Blaze Radio Network On Demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. In the final segment here, you know, it was just kind of interesting watching the and comparing and contrasting the uh, Democrat uh, convention, nomination convention, and the Republican National Convention. They had a night of uh, Make America Safe Again. It's the one I spoke at. And Donald Trump has made it clear he's going to be the law and order candidate. That is an issue. That is an issue that is polled. I've seen anywhere from over 60% of people are concerned about the levels of crime and violence in this country right now. So it's one of those kitchen table issues for families. People at ground level where I'm at that have to deal with that. I know these elites in Washington, D.C., with all that security, don't have to worry about it. But back home, uh, here, we do. And the Democrats, on the other hand, embraced criminality. They embraced criminal lifestyle. They held up people like Mike Brown, Eric Garner, Freddie Gray as icons in the new civil rights struggle. Those people were criminals. The Democrats are trying to mainstream criminal behavior, trying to normalize, make excuses for lifestyle choices, negative lifestyle choices. And it's having a detrimental impact on who else? Good law-abiding black people that have to live in these crime-ravaged neighborhoods. So I came across a story, an article, a piece from LifeZet. It's the blog site. It's by Edmund Kozak. And it's the Democrats' new constituency, criminals. The party always searching for victims has found new ones, criminals. President Obama's recent round of commutations are just the latest outrage that illustrates the extent to which the Democrat Party has become the party of lawlessness. The Democrats have long claimed to be the tolerant and inclusive party, having exhausted their outreach toward and exploitation of every possible victim group. They have extended that tolerance and inclusion toward victimizers. Indeed, objective observers cannot deny the mounting evidence that the Democrat Party has decided that criminals are its newest constituency and is making significant efforts to reach out to criminals all across the country. Remember what Governor McAuliffe did in Virginia by restoring voting rights to uh, people who didn't have them, convicted criminals? Court threw it out, and uh, the Supreme Court of Virginia threw it out, and, and, and now they're trying to find a new way to circumvent that. In time to cheat... In the November election, Virginia is going to be a critical state. When Democrat presidents aren't ordering the premature release of violent criminals from prison, Democrat lawmakers, with the unfortunate aid of some popular star virtue signaling Republicans, are trying to legislate the same thing. I'll mention at the end of this uh, that, that criminal justice reform, that's what that's referencing. Proponents of federal prison reform portray it as a corrective measure to address America's enormous prison population, one that will keep dangerous criminals in prison, whilst freeing those who don't deserve to be there, and save the country a bunch of money too. You've heard me talk about the three big lies of criminal justice reform. 
This argument is utter hogwash. There are only 196,000 criminals in federal prisons. Releasing each and every one of them wouldn't make a dent in the overall prison population in America. Moreover, the notion that these offenders are nonviolent is wishful thinking. In order to receive a 10-year mandatory federal sentence, one must be convicted of trafficking at least 1,000 kilograms, more than one ton of marijuana, over 5 kilograms of cocaine, or at least 1 kilogram of heroin. Moving that sort of weight comes with hefty helping of organized violent crime. And when Democrats on the national stage aren't trying to flood the street with gangsters, Democrats on the local stage are urging, are trying to restore voting rights to those with criminal records. Forget Virginia's Governor Terry McAuliffe's brazen attempts to unilaterally restore the voting rights of 200,000 felons was recently struck down by the Virginia Supreme Court. But the Democrats' obsession with defending and providing for criminals extends to foreign criminals as well as domestic ones. Indeed, the entire Democrat Party platform celebrates and rewards lawbreakers, especially illegal immigrants. The Department of Homeland Security even issued guidelines on its website, noting the locations in which Border Patrol agents cannot make arrests. Their intense defense of sanctuary cities clearly illustrates that as far as the Democrats are concerned, criminal illegal aliens are martyrs, but all illegal aliens are criminals. Entering the country, the country legally is a crime. Well, it's, it's only the crime the second time. The first time it's a civil uh, violation. But if you're deported, you come back, then it becomes a crime. Back to the story. The Democrats want to protect these criminals to give them taxpayer money and eventually voting rights. In a possible violation of federal law, the 2016 Democrat National Convention even featured two illegal aliens. Hispanic illegal aliens weren't the only ones celebrated by the Democrats at the DNC this year. The speaker lineup included the Black Lives Matter affiliate Mothers of the Movement. The group includes the mother of Mike Brown, a violent criminal who was shot while trying to murder a police officer and whose friend's false testimony of the events surrounding his death launched the entire Black Lives Matter movement. In complaining about the disproportionate dealings between law enforcement and the the black community, the anti-white racists in the Democrat Party are trying to turn an issue of criminality in the black community into an issue of racism in the white community. When Democrats complain about the discipline gap between black and white and Hispanic children, they are claiming that the consequences of broken homes and communities is actually the result of a racist education system. While it may seem shocking to some, the Democrat Party's enthusiastic support for criminal elements across America and its borders is the inevitable result of the leftist ideology that drives the progressive movement. A defining feature of modern leftists is moral relativism, the belief that there's no universal moral truths, but that right and wrong are in the eye of the beholder. One cannot promote moral relativism without attacking what is objectively true and good, and one cannot attack what is objectively true and good without defending what is objectively false and evil. Thus, the party of progress becomes the party 
of crime. And it's still amazing to me. We're still fighting this thing on Capitol Hill, this criminal justice reform slash sentencing reform. It's a jailbreak bill. It's very criminal friendly. It normalizes criminal behavior. The three big lies I've talked about, it does not just involve nonviolent, low-level drug offenders. They're not locked up. It will not reduce crime. We've seen that in California. We've seen it in Baltimore. We've seen it, we're seeing it in Chicago. Nearly 400 people murdered so far this year, over 2,000 uh, shot in non-fatal shootings. And it also will not reduce costs. In fact, incarceration costs have gone up in California at a time when they're emptying their state prisons. And that's the model that's being used. That's how Prop 47 was sold, ladies and gentlemen. Remember that? Only nonviolent offenders will be released. It'll reduce crime. It'll reduce costs. The three big lies of criminal justice reform. The Democrat Party is pathetic. It's all the time we have for today. Follow me during the week on Twitter at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, and at thepeoplesheriff.com. God bless you. The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio.